BYU's hopes of an improved defensive product in 2023 will hinge largely on their ability to defend the run better than they did in 2022. The defensive tackles will take on a big role in making that a success or failure this year for BYU. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. By way of introduction, I guess in reiteration, we are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU. And a big thank you for supporting us, whether you're watching this on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast and just listening to us in an audio format. All right, diving right in on today's show. Uh, we're getting near the end. Obviously, BYU training camp begins on Monday with players reporting to Provo and then obviously practices beginning on Tuesday. I will, of course, be out there myself and all the other media core from BYU tracking all things. I think Tuesday will be the first media availability, but we've been doing over the past week and a half or so looking at every position group, getting you ready for the upcoming training camp. I was getting you the names that you'll need to know, guys you want to keep an eye on and the like, and today we flip back over to the defense, our final check-in on the defense, and we're going to talk about BYU's defensive tackle position. Now, we talked earlier on about BYU's defensive ends and had a great chat with Tyler Batty. Caught up with him at Big 12 Media Days. Well, obviously he's going to need guys that can play in front of him to lead BYU to the success, not in front of him, alongside him, I should say, if they want to have the success they're craving in 2023. Now, we all know the product on defense was poor in 2022 and to a man, based on the conversations I've had with folks around the program and obviously talking to guys down at Big 12 Media Day, Ben Bywater and Tyler Batty, uh, the most notable, they have insisted they want nothing more than to see their defense return to what more of what it was in 2020 when they had a phenomenal year, obviously, helping BYU to that pretty gaudy record. And Obviously, that's going to be something that's not necessarily going to come overnight. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of work in recruiting to bring in the right talent to it. But Jay Hill obviously has been tasked with getting BYU's defense to being back of more of what it was versus what it has been over the past two seasons. Now, defensive tackle is an interesting spot for BYU because the last few years for BYU, the defensive tackle position, they had a great player in Kairos Tonga who was just an absolute uh, machine. Uh, he was just an Iron Man out there, played seemingly every day down, uh, seemingly just made play after play, and has been richly rewarded with his time in the NFL recently signing a contract extension with the Minnesota Vikings after joining them midseason last year. He, he was a phenomenal football player for them. You also have guys like Zach Dodd and Braden Albacri, excuse me, Bracken, no, it was, yeah, it was Bracken Albacri, who held down uh, the defensive end positions for BYU on that defensive line, but once they all left, BYU kind of fell off a little bit when it came to their interior defensive line play. This year, I think BYU gets to back to being more of what you saw with the Kairos Tongas of the world when BYU was at their best along that defensive front. The reason why I say that is because I think they've done a decent job via the transfer portal and also uh, mining the junior college ranks to bring in guys who should be able to compete at both of those uh, spots for BYU, speaking of the defensive tackle spots. Obviously, the graduate transfer coming from Boise State is Jackson Cravens. Comes to BYU with a bevy of experience, starting uh, I think it's 20 or 30 plus games during his time with the Boise State Broncos. Obviously, a guy who grew up literally 
literally down the street from BYU, having played his high school ball at Timview. Jackson knows all about what BYU is all about. He's got good size for the position at 6'2", 305, and just his overall experience and the fact that he's played high-level football already should lend itself to him being a potential day-one starter for BYU at defensive tackle. Now, the other names around him would be very critical as well because you can't just have one defensive tackle and rely on him like you did with Kairos Tonga because, uh, honestly, when Kairos went off the field, BYU struggled. They obviously need to develop depth around him. Now, they've had some young bodies who have uh, really grown up over the last couple of years, and I think that this year in this new defense, they should be unleashed and should be better in this scheme than they were in the previous scheme for BYU's defense. The two names I'm thinking most of are Caden Haas and Atunaisa Mahe. Now, uh, Caden Haas, they list him at six foot two, 305 pounds. If he is six foot two, I'm six four. Let me just be very clear about that. But it doesn't discount the fact that he may be one of the strongest, if not the strongest player on BYU's roster. He's an absolute machine in the weight room, and his play on the football field reflects that. He's a, he's an absolutely uh, thrilling player to watch because of just his ability to just overpower dudes at times. Can he finally come into his own this year in this defense? That's the hope. Also, a guy like Atunaisa Mahe. If Caden Hawes is not the uh, strongest guy in the weight room, Atunaisa Mahe probably has a shout for it. He told me during spring ball. He probably, if you remember listening to that interview with us, he told us on the record that BYU's coaches have never actually let him max out when it comes to squats. They actually have just stopped him after he's reached a certain point. This is this is a kid who is just as strong as all get out. They list him at 6'1", 315 pounds and he is an absolute powerhouse of a defensive lineman. He also said in that same interview, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that he very much looks forward to being uh, freer to make plays in this defense. The old defense for defensive tackles at BYU frankly was quite boring. You were two what that means is you came off the line, you had an assignment, you uh, locked up with an offensive lineman, and essentially your, it was your job to close down two gaps along that offensive line to prevent any running backs from getting through there. Now, it, it's not a sexy uh, position by any means playing defensive tackle because it's a lot of grunt work, and obviously you get swallowed up in the middle of those melees along the offensive and defensive lines more often than not. But especially in those circumstances where you're not actually really able to, you're supposed to kind of hold your line at the line of scrimmage, you're not necessarily supposed to penetrate upfield all that much. It just, it's not that fun. So I think that this new defense where it's going to be more of, okay, you've got your assignment, you're you're plugging this gap, and you go make a play, that's going to open up opportunities for a guy like Aitunai Samahe or Caden Haas to hopefully realize more of their potential for BYU. The other thing about this is they also brought in a junior college transfer that I am absolutely very high on, as well as a guy making a, a position change that he made kind of midway through last year, but I think comes more into his zone. So let's start off uh, with the position change, and that's John Nelson. Now, a couple of you reached out when I did the defensive end preview and said, hey, Jake, what about John Nelson? Well, John Nelson is now a defensive tackle for BYU. He actually made that transition late last season, played more on the interior for BYU, and I expect him to take on a larger role. He obviously will need to bulk up a little bit because he's currently listed at 6'4", 275 pounds, the same size he played defensive end at for BYU, but I would assume uh, if and when the rosters are revised during training camp or going into the season, he'll probably see an uptick in terms of his overall weight, but this is a kid, speaking of John Nelson, who was a just a revelation. A nice pass rush specialist at defensive end really came into his own at defensive end and I think takes more advantage of his abilities moving into defensive tackle where he maybe doesn't have to slim down as much as maybe he had to when he was playing defensive end. He's better suited to play maybe a three or a four technique defensive tackle role for BYU where he can use his pass rush skills on a guard or a center and get after the quarterback that way. I'm very excited to see what Nelson does full time at defensive tackle. Is it going to be perfect for him? No, I don't expect it to be because he's been playing on the exterior of BYU's defensive line versus the interior for longer, but I think as he adapts to this role, 
there's an untapped potential, I think, with his ability to get after the quarterback in particular that BYU has not had along the interior of their defensive line. Interior pass rush was virtually non-existent for BYU, especially over the past two seasons. Having a guy like this who can move inside, speaking of John Nelson, and his ability to get after the quarterback will be a huge boon to BYU's pass rush prospects going into this season. Obviously, you need to see an uptick of the 15 sacks they had a year ago, and he could absolutely be, play a big role in that. Now, the junior college transfer I said I'm very high on is David Latu. Now, Latu is a, a Juco All-American at Snow College. Comes to BYU, listed at six foot four, 300 pounds. I, originally from Bountiful, Utah. This is a kid, speaking of Latu, that coaches are very very high on. He's been working diligently getting ready for the upcoming season, and I, I can tell you the coaches are excited to see what he can do in BYU's defense. He's more in the mold of what Jay Hill has experienced uh, during his time at Utah with the defensive linemen. Think of those star defensive linemen that Utah has had over the years, and how good they have been in terms of plugging holes, making plays, and just making life miserable for opposing quarterbacks. That is the goal here for a guy like David Latu to come in and have that type of an impact. I'm, it's not out of the realm of possibility that David Lott, who comes in having enrolled just earlier this summer and could start game one against Sam Houston State. He is truly that talented, and if he realizes uh, what he's uh, getting into, he picks up the playbook and the scheme and all that that is entailed, uh, to, uh, all that it entails to be a starting defensive lineman and defensive tackle for BYU, there's no reason to think that he cannot be that starter for BYU along the interior. I could very well see a place where BYU starting defensive tackles, game one, are David Lott, two, and Jackson Cravens, both of whom weren't on the roster as recently as December. So that is the positive if your BYU is looking at this. The defensive tackle position has been reloaded in many ways via transfer and junior college signings. But at the same time, I think the holdovers, two of the stalwarts, speaking of Mahe, uh, three of them actually, Mahe, Nelson, and Caden Haas, I think all three of them should see an uptick in their overall production for BYU as well. And that should give BYU a better chance at holding up particularly against the run on defense, but then thereby also free up other players to make plays, thereby making BYU's defense even better than it was. Two other names on the list of defensive tackle. They're ones to monitor. They may be a year away from really uh, being contributors, but you can't count them out. Include Joshua Singh, uh, who is an undersized defensive tackle, but he's just absolutely tenacious. I love the way that Singh plays football. He's a walk-on from Orem High School, listed at six foot, 275 pounds, and he is just an absolute bowling ball. Like I said, he's, he's severely undersized for defensive tackle, but don't tell him that, because when he's out there on the football field, he plays far bigger than the six foot 275 he's listed. And like I said, I'm not sure he's even six foot, but he's a fantastic football player all the same. Bruce Mitchell is more the prototypical size you want for a defensive tackle at 6'4", 300 pounds. I uh, got thrown kind of to the Wolves last year as a return missionary coming to BYU off of a mission and they were kind of looking for any and all bodies who they could throw in and see how they did and uh, he had his moments he had an ability it seemed an adept ability to jump up and deflect passes but uh, far too often got too high with his leverage and got bowled over by opposing offensive linemen and as the season wore on you saw him play less and less I think some uh uh, injury issues also popped up during that time, but Bruce Mitchell, so long as he has got himself in shape and uh, he is looking the part, there's no reason to think that he can't make a push for playing time, but he's going to be down the depth chart, it feels like, going into training camp, but the nice part is Sione Puja, who played at a very high level, obviously at Utah, as well as in the NFL, he knows what it takes to get high-level defensive play from defensive tackles, because he did it himself. He's walked the walk that all these young men have walked, or are being asked to walk, and he 
can absolutely say, okay, when you do this, this is what's going to happen. And if I'm a BYU defensive tackle in particular, if Sone Puha says jump, I'm jumping. Because that dude, like I said, knows exactly what it takes to be successful at a very high level, if not the highest levels of football. And obviously, you want to follow his lead if you want to play professionally. But overall, I'm actually intrigued by BYU's defensive tackle position. I look at it as some of the holdovers should have better years, I feel like, in this scheme because I think their skill sets lend themselves better to the scheme at hand, whereas the new additions to the roster, most notably Jackson Cravens as well as uh, David Latu, I think are potential stars in this defense for BYU. Now, obviously, you got to go out there and put it together. They've all got to get on the same page working in concert with their teammates at defensive end as well as being on the same page with BYU's linebackers. But the the nice part is they already have a head start having worked in training, uh, not training camp, spring camp with Sione Puja as well as Jay Hill as, their def- with, as being their defensive coordinator. And that should help them as they push forward now uh, getting ready for the upcoming season. And hopefully training camp uh, gives us a better glimpse into, okay, exactly what the pecking order, the, the depth chart is going to be at defensive tackle. But I think you're at least four deep with intriguing bodies, if not five. And the nice part is there are bodies beyond that who will push for playing time. And that iron sharpens iron moniker should help BYU's defensive tackles be better this fall. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to round out, not round out today, so we're going to look ahead, or I, man, I'm screwing all of my analogies up. We're looking back at BYU's final regular season game of the 2020 season. Now, a uh, game played in mid-December in sub-frigid temperatures, San Diego State coming to town, but BYU said, you know what, we're going to spice things up. We're going to pull out some old friends uh, and use them to our advantage, and we'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. Now, first a word on our friends over at, uh, at LinkedIn. They've been working on this for a few months now. The best part about LinkedIn, my friends, is they want to make sure you guys have all the tools you guys need, whether you're a small business owner or you're a hiring manager for a small business. That's the thing about this is we all know that every hire is a high-stakes wager when it comes to bringing people into your company. You want to make the best hire possible and make sure that the person fits with what you're doing. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available as well, and that's where LinkedIn Jobs comes in to help you guys out. Check out LinkedIn Jobs. helps you find the right people for your team faster, and the best part is for free, F-R-E-E. Heard that right. Uh, Go to LinkedIn in jobs, post your uh, job profile, then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to help spread that word that you're hiring. They have feature simple tools like screening questions, making it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. That's why small businesses are rating LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So go to LinkedIn jobs and get started today. LinkedIn jobs wants to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked On College. That's LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. Post that job for free once again. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we round out our position previews and primers by taking a look at BYU's running back position. It's the final one we have not talked about. Uh, two transfers into the program and Aiden Robbins and Deion Smith. Are they going to be the thunder and lightning package that BYU fans uh, want to see out there on the football field? We'll talk about that on tomorrow's edition of Locked On Cougars. And also, by the way, it is going to be a mailbag Friday. So if you've got questions, uh, I did not address them last week. I had a little bit of a, a snafu 
flu with some of the equipment. So if you have questions that are holdovers from last week or new questions this week, please send them in. We'd love nothing more than to address them on that mailbag edition of the podcast. All right. So the 2020 season wrapped up on a frigid night in Provo, Utah. As number 14 BYU coming off a loss uh, to uh, uh, Coastal Carolina. They were 9-1, uh, not necessarily feeling as good about themselves as they probably would have had they beaten uh, Coastal Carolina. But they came back home and hosted San Diego State in the regular season finale. Now, this game was played on December 12th. It was absolutely frigid out there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And BYU, obviously, that season, nothing was normal. And BYU was trying to find ways to uh, keep things fresh, obviously, as they continue to push, hopefully, for a postseason berth that was better than what they ultimately received in the Boca Raton Bowl. But nonetheless, BYU decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pull out those blackout uniforms we wore back way back in, was it 2014? They hadn't been out of the closet uh, quite literally in years, but uh, BYU pulled them out, had to, um, I guess, sew some numbers on certain jerseys, I'm sure, to, to make sure that the roster was up to date. Nonetheless, uh, they were kind of outdated. But the thing about it is the look, that was the best part about it. The look was phenomenal. Now, BYU had the blackout helmets with it. And BYU took the field uh, that night. And the whole adage, look good, feel good, play good, well, it it applied in that game for BYU. Zach Wilson uh, completed uh, 26 of 35 passes for 303 yards and three touchdowns in the win. Uh, Dax Millen had a touchdown receiving in this one. And BYU just took it to San Diego State. It was a workmanlike win for BYU. They were up uh, 14 to uh, 7 at the end of the first quarter. Uh, Excuse me, 17, uh, excuse me. San Diego State was up 14 to 7 at the end of the first quarter. BYU rallied uh, then uh, from there on out scoring uh, all their points, all of their other 21 points unanswered the rest of the way as BYU got the win. And the nice part about it was it was kind of a workmanlike win because BYU, I'm sure, was feeling down about themselves in this game, but they just didn't let it really affect them. That was the nice part about it is BYU just kind of went out and handled their business and got the win, even though they ran for just 81 yards against a fairly stingy San Diego State uh, uh, defense. Excuse me, They get the win, they push the record to 10-1, and and then obviously they awaited their bowl destination, which we all found out later was the Boca Raton. Bowl, and we'll round out the 2020 season by talking about that Boca Raton Bowl and how phenomenal of an effort it was for BYU, especially considering uh, some of the the the, uh, the personnel losses they had going into that game. And they had personnel losses earlier on in the season due to COVID-19, just the screwy nature of that 2020 season, but the, the, the bowl game in itself... It was a crazy, crazy time, folks, and I'll explain more about it because I made the trip to Boca Raton for that bowl game, and uh, I'll talk about a little bit how I found out about certain things about BYU in that game, but the nice part was is they did not let that loss to Coastal Carolina uh, hang over their heads, and that very easily could have been something that BYU could have done, could have affected them, and obviously uh, affected the rest of their season had they allowed it to linger, but uh, to that team's credit, speaking of Zach Wilson and some of the other leaders on that team, they refused to let it linger, and they just moved on and said, you know what? San Diego State's a middling team. They were 4-3 and three on the season coming into this game. We're just going to go out and do our thing. And the nice part was BYU took care of business, gets that win 28-14, to 14, and then they're ranked in the top 15 as they went into bowl season, ultimately uh, getting picked to play in the Boca Raton Bowl against UCF, uh, obviously now a member of the Big 12 Conference along BYU, alongside BYU, but uh, they would renew acquaintances. They had played earlier on in Independence and Home and Home Series, and we'll talk about what happened in that bowl game coming up on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. 
Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home, you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you, my friends. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with many communities throughout the state. They have communities, home designs, and price points all designed to help meet your needs as a homeowner. They have beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties. They also have multiple communities in Washington County near St. George as well. They offer over 50 unique home designs, ramblers to two stories to townhomes as well. They even a quick move-in homes if you're available to move and ready to make the move right away. They're offering generous financing incentives to their preferred lenders right now as well to help you guys with the wild interest rates that are out there as well. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com to learn more now. Uh, check it out. That's PerryHomesUtah.com once again. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. If you saw a little blip there and you heard a blip on the podcast feed, as I was finishing that final ad read, my phone literally started buzzing as if I was getting a phone call. So uh, I'll, I'm like, okay, what's going on here? So I had to edit this a little bit, but crazy, crazy news. This is literally happening as I am uh, talking about this. Colorado has scheduled a board meeting. They already finished one, apparently, just recently, as of minutes ago, quite literally, as of when I'm recording this podcast. This happening on Wednesday afternoon is when I'm recording this edition of the podcast this edition of the podcast. And apparently Colorado is in discussions with the big 12 on a potential move to join the big 12 conference, returning home to the conference. It is it called home for six decades. They were original members of the big eight, uh, the big 12 when it was formed in the nineties, obviously they exited the big 12 to join the pac 12 back in 2010. Crazy, crazy times, my friends. So, uh, get ready, uh, buckle up. It is going to get a little hairy here. It sounds like today, Thursday, whenever you listen to this, Still could be done. Another meeting scheduled for today between Colorado and its board. Uh, the Big 12 is supposed to have a meeting of its presidents and chancellors. Of course, C. Shane Reese, BYU's uh, president, will be part of that to talk about potentially Colorado joining the conference. There's a lot going on here. Now, Jason Shear from Wildcat Authority uh, covering the Arizona Wildcats, and i got to give Jason credit. He has been fighting a, a fight with multiple other Pac-12 media personalities saying that expansion is coming, and he's speaking of the Big 12 and schools leaving the Pac-12 to join the, the, the Big 12. And he had guys like John Canzano and John Wilner just essentially trying to browbeat him and tell him, no, that's not happening. Well, guess what? There's going to be a lot of egg on a lot of people's faces in this, my friends. So he says this, Colorado is likely to move within the next 48 hours, this coming on Wednesday. So as soon as Friday, this could be a done deal. He says also there's a school, another school in the Pac-12 behind beyond the rumored four corners that will surprise people and is seriously contemplating a jump to the Big 12. Oregon? Washington? Who knows who it might be, but it sounds like the old uh, talking points about nobody from the Pac-12 is going to leave for the Big 12. Well, about that, folks. Crazy, crazy times. Now, the initial reports uh, came, I believe it was uh, coming uh, from, jeez, uh, I've got I've got so many of these tweets in front of me, so apologies. I'm do- literally doing this on the fly, so apologies it's not as tight and as buttoned up as it typically is with the podcast, but uh, interesting comments all the way around, though. Coming here, okay, Colorado just completed a, a board meeting of its regions, has scheduled a second one for Thursday, presumably around a potential move to the Big 12 sources tell Yahoo Sports, that coming from Ross Dellinger. Now, the initial report, as I said, came from Pete Thamel from ESPN. 
ESPN, and I'm trying to get this tweet pulled up here. There we go. Sources, Colorado is in discussions about a move to the Big 12, and the school has just completed a board meeting and scheduled another for tomorrow, the, the tomorrow being Thursday, to be clear, to discuss the move. The Big 12 is also holding a president's meeting tonight where there's expected to be an expansion update. Folks, Things are moving. It has been months and months of people saying, this is happening. No, this is happening. Reports say this. Sources say this. Pete Thamel does say this. There's no agenda posted yet, but the meeting tomorrow at Colorado, speaking of 30 days, calls a special board meeting and was scheduled essentially as today's athletics operation executive session board meeting ended. Things are happening, folks. The Big 12, BYU may be finally getting a partner in the mountain time zone with the Colorado Buffaloes returning to their ancestral home. Man. I'm all over the place on this. Apologies. Returning their ancestral home of the Big 12 to rejoin the conference they were proud founding members of uh, two times over. This is crazy, crazy stuff. It ends literally months and months and months of speculation. I tweeted this out on my own Twitter feed as I was kind of reading into this. Now, I will also say this. Colorado uh, Chancellor Phil DeStefano, if many of you might recall, that report came out last week uh, from Ross Dellinger saying that Phil DeStefano he told the Colorado, uh, it's the Denver Post is what it was, the paper out there in Denver saying that he expected to see media rights, deals, numbers, and figures uh, coming out of their executive meeting that the Pac-12 was holding Thursday night ahead of Pac-12 Media Day. Reports came out on Friday saying that, that no such thing was discussed. Then big uh, Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov has the stones to get up in front of the media on Friday morning and says, well, we're going to focus on football today. We're not, we're not announcing our media rights still because we want to focus on football. And i got to give James Crepia from the Oregonian major credit for asking this question. He says that you said that you're not announcing a media rights still because you want to focus on football. Does that mean the media rights still is done? And George Klyovkov like, jumps right in. Oh, 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 oh you're, you're reading too much into that. Was he? Because there are things are happening, folks. The Pac-12 may be crumbling right before our very eyes, or at least another massive round of conference realignment. How many schools can the Big 12 now scoop up? Could they go get Oregon? Could they get Washington? Could Utah finally hold their nose and have to jump into the life raft that is the Big 12 and rejoin BYU in the same conference? Crazy Crazy things are happening, folks, and get ready for it. It sounds like today, Thursday, when you're listening to this, could be a very, very pivotal day in the next round of conference realignment. There, Too much smoke was out there already, and now it's just getting even thicker and thicker. And it's just, it, it's crazy, crazy times out there. And don't be surprised if you start to hear a lot of stuff coming out because it's been months and months and months of this. The the Big 12 has been after Colorado for quite some time. Uh, I've had so many people on my radio show on the KSL Sports Zone saying all kinds of things about what they think is going to happen. But for the Pac-12 to have been as obstinate as they were, saying that nobody's going to leave the Pac-12 for the Big 12, that was just so short-sighted. Colorado's been setting the table for this for months now. Phil DiStefano, the chancellor from Colorado, set the table for what's happening right now. Last week when he told the Pac-12, you better give me some numbers. I need to know what I'm looking at because I am one of the, the, the voting members of this conference. I need to know what kind of money my, my school is looking at. And I'm taking it, and this is just my speculation, is that when that was not discussed during that Pac-12 executive meeting, he probably walked out of there, called his AD and whoever else, the chancellor, uh, the university leadership, the regents at Colorado and said, hey, we need to talk. Because he knows what the Big 12's got. There is a pro-rata clause with the Big 12 conference media rights still that if a Power 5 member joins that conference, they get the same cut of pie. The, the pie essentially expands to give the what will be projected a $31.5 million payday to that member. So I'm just reading the tea leaves here. A, the Pac-12 doesn't have 
anywhere close to a deal. And George Klyovkov has been stringing people along and saying, patience is going to pay off. We're going we're gonna to get things figured out. Colorado's calling their bluff. The Buffaloes are saying, either A, you put up and, or shut up, and we're going to make our move, and we're doing what's in our best interest. There, there are a lot of dominoes that are going to fall here, folks. I, I don't mean to sound uh, too over the top about this, but the next major round of realignment, even, even if it is a new round of realignment, whatever you want to term it, it's here. And it's happening. And the, as Jason Shear reports, the next 48 hours could absolutely be pivotal. Colorado could make that vote and say, hey, we're members of the Big 12 now. That drops the Pac-12 to nine schools. Does the Pac-12 have to act almost immediately and go and beg and plead and try and get San Diego State to join the conference? Do they go grab SMU? Do other schools from the Pac-12 fall Colorado's lead and walk right out the door on George Klyovkov in the Pac-12? We could see some really really crazy times coming up in very short order. So get ready for it. And like I said, that stuff started breaking. I, my phone started buzzing with texts from people almost as soon as I finished that ad read uh, earlier on. So crazy, crazy times, all things considered. And who knows where things are going to go with this. But uh, get ready. It, it appears that uh, some some wild times could be in, could be in the, 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 the near future. And that's, hey, other thing about this, Exciting times for BYU. It was related to BYU. It gets another member, speaking of uh, Colorado, in the Mountain Time Zone to help uh, uh, kind of offset some of the late-night kickoffs for BYU. It also brings a, a natural geographical rival with Colorado and BYU if this ultimately go, does go down. The Buffs and the Cougars are squaring off. The hashtag Rumble and the Rockies that Utah and Colorado have had for the past 13 years. Well, could that just be transferred to BYU? It, well, very well could be that case. So, wild. Wild stuff. Like I said, I, I I was like, oh, okay, I got to talk about this and pivot a little bit. But, hey, things are happening, folks. Get ready. It could be a, a pretty wild few days here. And, of course, we'll keep you up to date on anything going on that we hear slash what's reported. Uh, Friday, our, the next podcast coming up tomorrow should be a little bit of a doozy, so get ready for that. But, nonetheless, crazy, crazy times on the Big 12 expansion front. And uh, the Colorado Buffaloes could be coming back home to the Big 12 as soon as today, tomorrow, next week. Get ready for it. It should be a lot of fun. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for now. That's all the information I have as of the recording, recording of this podcast. Uh, I do have an RSL game I've got to go do uh, for the KSL Sports Zone. So uh, follow me on social media, obviously. So uh, this might be a tad bit dated by the time it gets out to you guys. But nonetheless, a big thank you to all of you for your support. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today, bringing you breaking news as it happens, quite literally, uh, with this edition of the podcast. And a big thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. Until tomorrow, my friends, this has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. Crazy times. See ya.